That was good. That was good. Welcome to all those who are online. We're honored to have you with us this morning. Uh, as I was walking up here uh, to get ready for this second service, I was challenged by a student to do something before I preached this morning, so I'm going to be true to my word. Gabriella, I'm doing it. She said, Pastor Mike, you should beatbox before you preach, so I'm going to do... That was for Gabriella. Okay. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, you know, it, it is such an honor to be with you this morning. I'm with you every morning, but to be up here and to, to preach to you, um, by no means do I think I have it all together, but we get to do this thing called life and church together. So um, I, first off, I want to say thank you to Pastor Stephen. Um, as, as I was processing and preparing for this week, I felt it was a good heavy the, the responsibility of carrying the pulpit here at Christian Life is a heavy responsibility in the best way possible. And I feel that, and I'm so honored to be up here. Um, and I also want to say thank you to you, Christian Life Church. Um, I don't say this to win favor or brownie points or whatever, but it is truly an honor to be a pastor here, to be your youth pastor. And I've been at other churches. I love those other churches. I love all those other students. I was texting with some of them this week. But it is such a sweet place to be here. Um, I feel like we're in the middle of God's will with Rachel and I. So thank you for letting me serve your church body, for letting me see, serve your young people. And uh, it's, it truly is an honor. I love you too. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Uh, so let me, let me do a little bit of introducing. We'll get into the message. I promise I, I promise I will only preach an hour and a half. You got it. You, you can, you can laugh. Pastor Corey was looking at my notes. He's like, you, you know you only have 25 minutes on the service, but you have like three pages of notes. I'm like, yeah, God can do miracles. But uh, I want to give a couple shouts. Can we honor the young people that have led worship, sang a song, greeted you, served you coffee? Yeah. I, I'm so honored that we have young people and that all generations honor each other. And that's, that's going to be what I'm hitting on this morning. But I want to introduce myself so you can throw up the family picture. Um, this is my biological family. You have the best-looking one on the left. That's me. Uh, actually, no. Hold up, hold up. The best-looking one. See what I did there? The best-looking one is my wife, Rachel, right there. My beautiful wife. This... By the way, this picture is before we were married, and my dad, the whole weekend, I had the engagement ring with me. My dad was like, dude, you need to, you need to propose to her at Mackinac Island. Come on, man. Come on, dude. Just pop the question. No. It needs to be back down in South Carolina. And that was the right call I found out. But So, yeah, my, my wife, Rachel, my youngest brother, Mitch. I love Mitch. He's been on a mission trip with us before. Uh, my sister-in-law, Tara. Tara actually used to work here a decade ago. She was the youth ministry assistant to the youth pastor at that time, so she is a familiar face. My middle brother, Matt, with a Broncos jersey on, pray for him. He, he, has a, he has a Broncos shirt on, but also, like, he has a Michigan hat, so we need to pray that he knows what, what's going on. Um, they now have a nephew. I have a nephew now named Maverick. He's a miracle motion. More about that later. Um, then you have my beautiful father wearing the Superman thing, and get this. I'm preparing for my message during first service. I'm already emotional that I get to preach. And then my dad walks in all the way from Kalamazoo, Michigan, walks in the green room and says, hey. So my dad, raise your hand, dad. My dad's here with us this morning. Yeah. 
And then my mother, she, she's on the far right. I'm sure she's listening in. I love you, Mom. But uh, that's, my, that's my family. Uh, go and go to the next picture. We're all from Michigan, by the way, except for Rachel. Yeah. This was from our wedding day. Uh, so she wanted to take super cool pictures. Like, okay. I just did whatever she wanted me to do. It was an awesome day. We got married, and we've been married for four years since. I got that wrong in the first service. So y'all, y'all are already helping me. Thank you. Four years. January 19th. Okay, uh, go to the next one. This is us just recently. I think this is at the wedding of Christian Cheyenne Trembach. We were able to officiate that wedding. That's us here uh, just the last couple months. So, they, yeah, no more pictures, right? That's it. Do we have one more? Oh, oh, we'll come back to that later. Okay. You didn't, you didn't see that picture. Okay. So that, that's a picture. Um, I've been serving here at the church for about four years now. It's been an incredible journey. I wouldn't want to journey through COVID, all this junk, without any, I wouldn't want to do it with any other church, honestly. And I'm so happy that I'm here under the leadership of pastor. I'm so happy that I'm here with you, locking arms with you um, here at Christian Life. So this morning, if you haven't been able to tell, the whole theme is being together, bridging the generations from the older generations to the younger generations, to the wiser generations, to the the more vibrant, passionate, energetic generations that still may need to get some wisdom. But my heart is for us to have an honest conversation and and to say, give you some, some honest encouragements about what do each generation need to do? I feel like I have a unique position in, in the church here. I'm, I'm no longer a teenager. I'm moving away from my young adults. Like, it's kind of sad now because I, I, I'm not young enough to be in the young adult groups anymore, really. Like, the, the 18 to 30-year-olds, I'm just like. Yeah, I, I know, man. And so, like, I'm not in the young adult group. I'm, I'm not, like, a middle-aged person just yet. So I feel like I have a unique perspective to speak not only to the younger generation because I minister to them every week, but also to the older generations and say, let's do this thing together. And I want to talk about that this morning. And what a better person to help me open up with the stories about a guy named Will Hartley. You're asking, who in the world is Will Hartley? Uh, we call him Bill Hartley. I called him Grandpa Hartley. He, he passed away a couple years ago now, but I believe his story, his legacy still lives on. Um, today, let me tell you about one of my favorite people. Let me go ahead and throw that, that picture up. This is my Grandpa Hartley coming up here in just one, three, two. Oh, there we go. So this is a picture of my grandpa um, when he was still able to get around pretty quick. And uh, forgive me if I get emotional. I was talking about my grandpa. Then my dad decided to show up and make it even more emotional for me. Um, this is my Grandpa Hartley. Why in the world am I talking about my Grandpa Hartley this morning? It's because Grandpa embodied what I feel like what generational transfer looks like. What in the world does giving to the next generation look like in your family, in your spheres of influence? So let me tell you this story about one of my favorite times of my entire life was when I would go travel to Michigan and, uh, I was able to go about twice a year for the last probably decade or so now. I go to Michigan about twice a year, once in the summer, once for Christmas. And it got to the point around 2014, 2015, I was realizing grandpa and grandma aren't going to be around forever. 
and I want to I want to maximize every single moment that I have with them. And so I didn't even go to my parents' house anymore when I first got into town. Like, like when are you coming over? I'm like, I'm going to Grandma and Grandpa's house first. And so I'd go to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and they they lived on a multi-level. I can't remember what it was a duplex or split level. They lived on a split level, and so you'd ring the doorbell. I'd hear my grandma. Kind of like that. She'd shout down from the top, and I'd open up uh, the door, and I'd hear, oh, is that my grandson has come home? Like, yeah, Grandpa, here I come. So, we, you know, in a tri-level like that, you have some, one that goes down, you have one go up. So I went up the stairs, and I, as I'm going up the stairs, there's this barrier, and as I top the barrier, I look over, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I would see my Grandpa. He wouldn't be able to get out of his chair because he was in that time of his life he wasn't physically able to but he had this super cool like recliner chair that not only like went back but also like helped (laughs) helped him take off and uh I I love it technology is amazing and I'd get to him as fast as I could I would I'd get to grandma in a moment but I'd get to my grandpa and I'd bend down and I wouldn't give him the biggest embrace but here's the thing I thought my embrace was next level this man wrapped his, arm, his huge arms, his huge hands around me, and he said, welcome home, son. I love you, and I miss you so much. I'm so proud of you. And to this day, I hope it's okay, I'm a little bit emotional with you. We'll bring it to scripture, I promise, in a lesson. To this day, I have a voicemail on my phone. If you ever want to listen to it, let me know. I'll probably cry with you. Um, it's him and my grandma singing happy birthday to me. And it's beautiful, you know, it's, it's, they're not great singers. I love them. <laughs> but they're singing to me and blessing me. At the very end, my grandma trails off. My grandpa says this. He's like, I wish you many achievements in your life with Jesus Christ at your helm. I love you. And his voice breaks up. I love you. And that's, that's when it stops. I want to let you know, that is one of the most treasured possessions that I own. And in moments when I'm questioning, like in the last week, I felt like the enemy was, was attacking me, attacking my voice. I came to that, to that voice memo, and I was reminded of the generations that have gone before me, that have spoken life into me. And not just my grandpa, my dad, the pastors here, my youth pastors. I stand on the shoulders of many, many men and women. And that's the way I think the Lord intended it to be. See, Grandpa finished his life well, but I believe the Lord did a special work in his heart at the end of his life. Because of him and his words of affection towards me, I feel I have a little better understanding of the Lord's love for me. And he taught me a lot on how to treat those coming up behind me. I really, you know... Uh, scripture is key. Scripture is authoritative. It is our guiding post. But I believe God taught me a little bit about his love towards me through my biological grandpa. I believe he taught me a little bit about himself through my grandpa. See, the story of me coming up the stairs of the house, I will never forget those moments of him celebrating me. Oh, my son has come home. My grandson has come home. Get up here. Let me, let me honor you and let me give you a kiss on the cheek and let me hug you. 
I will never forget those embraces for the rest of my life. In fact, I will take those embraces and give it to my sons and my daughters one day, in Jesus' name. I'll give it to my grandchildren, my granddaughters, and grandsons one day because I got a glimpse of what the Heavenly Father's love was through my grandpa. Why do I tell you about the story about my grandpa? Because it's a beautiful display of someone older affirming me, making room for me, calling me to follow Jesus and someone who is consistently like Christ. Why this message? I feel that we are in a unique position right now because for all that God intends us to be, corporately, as a family, Bree got up here and was praying about family. I love that it, Holy Spirit speaking like that. For all of us to be what we need to be as a family, corporately, as a church, we need to take ownership of our lives individually. Does that make sense? In order for us to be all that God wants us to be corporately, we need to say, you know what? First, I need to look at myself individually and my relationship with God and do some heart work. Man, if we could combine the passion and the wisdom of the older, if we could combine the wisdom of the years gone by of the older generations and combine it with the vibrancy, the energy, and the passion of the younger generations, what would happen to the church? Not just little C, but big C. If we could somehow find both, genera both generation sides coming together as a true body of Christ, man, what a day that would be. And I, my heart for you this morning is to yearn and to stir up inside of you a passion to reach down if you're the older generation, a passion to reach up if you're the younger generation and say, you know what, we're doing this thing together. Despite what the world is doing, tearing, it, tearing itself apart, Man, when we come to the house of God and we gather together with the saints and we become the church and all that it's intended to be, what a beautiful thing that would be what we strive towards. With this in mind, I want to give a couple of encouragements to the older generation and I want to give a couple of encouragements to the younger generation. To the older generation, I want to highlight the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy. If you, if you ever haven't read the, the books of First and Second Timothy, I highly encourage you to read it. But not only, don't only read it, but read the context of why Paul is writing to Timothy, especially Second Timothy. And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. First Timothy 1-2 says this, To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from the Father, in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love it. The second verse right at the top of, of Paul preaching to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my true child in the faith. Paul immediately starts out and says, I believe in you. I have investment in you. I am with you. You are my true child in the faith. You are my spiritual son. For you ladies, you are my spiritual daughter, and I care about you. There's an affirmation there and a, and a giving of worth that comes from the Lord. I believe in you. The first thing Paul does is affirm Timothy as a spiritual son and bless him. Friends, family, church, our children need to hear the older affirm them. 
I'm speaking to the older for, at first. Don't worry, younger people, you're, we're coming for you in a little bit. Do you like my magic fingers there? <laughs> Church family, older generations, our children, Maybe if you don't have biological children, that's okay. There's still opportunity. The younger people in this church need to hear that you believe in them, that you affirm them. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to be messy. They're going to mess stuff up. If you remember when you were that age, you messed up stuff too. I messed up stuff. I'll put it on me. I messed that stuff up too. My dad could tell you about it. He's right here. I'm not going to give you the mic. Stay down there. But they need to hear from them. Man, the way you just got up there and, and led us in worship, you have an anointing upon your life. Man, I saw you down here worshiping the Lord. Don't ever stop worshiping the Lord. Let that vibrancy continue. See those things, even if they're just little glimpses, even if they're not even there yet, speaking into them, into our identity in Christ. And your words carry weight. It may not seem like your words carry weight. I understand, but they are listening, and they are hearing, and they know how you feel about them, good, bad, or ugly. We see that Paul encourages Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, in faith, and in purity. Paul encouraging Timothy to do the right thing. Paul wasn't scared to have tough conversations. He wasn't scared to take relational withdrawal with people. We need to do the same. In love. He acknowledges the deep faith that Timothy has in 2 Timothy 1.5. He goes through and says, the faith that was in your grandmother, the faith that was in your mother, now that I see in you also. He acknowledges and affirms the faith, the deep commitment to Christ that is inside of him. He calls that out and lifts it out. Number two, everyone say number two. Paul made room for Timothy. Paul made room for Timothy. Everyone take a deep breath. I'm, gonna, I'm about to drop a revelation on you. Y'all think it's going to be super spiritual. Children and teenagers are messy. I, I'm not talking about they're messy in the cleaning sense, but relationships are messy with younger generations. Right? Right. I want to let you know it's worth it, though. It's worth, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's someone in the Bible that got down into our mess and walked with us, and shepherded us, and left us the keys once we were trained up to go and do a good work. In the same way, parents, grandparents, older generation, don't let the messiness discourage you. Don't let the mess kick you out of the game. Get back up and keep fighting, because I promise you keep on showing up, your consistency will outlast their resistance eventually. Paul made room for Timothy. Yes, it'll be messy, but Paul invested his time, his energy and effort into Timothy. He took him on multiple missionary journeys. And missionary journeys back in the day, Paul was debatably the greatest missionary other than Jesus that ever walked this earth. But missionaries weren't like, hey, we got on a plane, we got staying in a nice hotel, and we kind of went to a nice church and preached a little while, prayed for some people, went back to the nice hotel. You guys get what I'm saying? But Ministry then was much more rough. It was much more, it was much more humbling. It was tougher. But Paul said, you know what? I'm taking Timothy with me because I'm raised, my commitment to raising up the next generation is worth my inconvenience. And so we see that generational transfer there. 
He took time to write instructions to help him succeed. And for, we see that all in First Timothy, First and Second Timothy. He prayed for Timothy and let him know it. In First Timothy or Second Timothy one three, he says, "I prayed for you with tears in my eyes." I believe the words he said. And Paul was not scared to let Timothy know that he was praying for him, praying out loud for him, and it was wrecking him emotionally. Parents, grandparents, older generation. It is a powerful thing, a powerful thing when we pray for our kids out loud in front of them. And let me, let me encourage you. This, I, I can imagine this could be super intimidating. This could be very overwhelming. You may, you may be like, I don't know how to pray very well. Just show up and start talking. If you need more instruction, come talk to one of us pastors. We, this is worth our time and gold talking to you about this. But parents, grandparents, older generations that don't have biological children, this is a moment when you can shine. If you know a student that is in, a child that is in your area of influence, to say, you know what, can I ask the parent, can I pray for this child? Can I pray for them? And to pray for them out loud is a game changer. I, before my dad surprised me, I was going to talk about a time when he prayed for me. I can't remember the exact situation, but I was dealing with something. It may have been if I was supposed to come back here to South Carolina. But my dad came down, and he just wrapped me up in his big arms. Um, I don't think I can take him. I would try. He's getting older now, so. But uh, <laughs> he, he, can, he can still take me, no doubt. Um, but he's like 6'3", huge wingspan, and he just comes over and, like, envelops me. And he starts praying for me. He starts getting emotional. And I'm not saying if you're emotional, you're more spiritual. But what I'm saying is for me to connect with my, my, my uh, earthly father that way was a big deal for me to connect with my heavenly father that way. You see that? And, and for moms, this is the same thing for you as well. Pray for your children. Pray for your young people. Pray for your grandchildren out loud and in person with them. Because I remember that moment very, very well, and inspires me. The prayers that, have, that were prayed. My parents would pray for me when I was believing for a wife. I'd call them crying, I'm coming home, I'm done. And my parents would be praying. It's amazing, the prophetic words that they got, that Rachel lines, it's, it's really cool, we don't have time for that, but pray for your children, pray for the next generation, and don't let them, don't feel like you have to hide emotion and tears from them as you pray for them. I'll never remember, forget that moment, Dad which is my next point. He was okay being emotional in front of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.4. Emotion led by truth is a good thing. Emotion is not to be forsaken or scorned. All right, number three. Paul invited Timothy into the richness and legacy of following Christ instead of alienating him and condemning him. What? That's a whole mouthful right there. I get it. What in the world does that mean? It means that Paul invited Timothy into something much much, much, much bigger than just living for himself. As, as you read First and Second Timothy, you can just gain the understanding that there is something so much bigger, something so much richer than what was going on just in that moment. That this is the movement of the early church that we get to play a part and be, have young men and young women stand on our shoulders for generations and generations to come. Paul invited Timothy into this richness and the legacy of following Christ. Instead of, hey, you know what? Back in my day, we never did stuff like that. 
back in my day, we, we knew how to blah, 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 blah. And I, those things are valuable. I don't want to talk down to you. But man, link arms with them first. Link arms with them. Show them. Partner with them on how to do the right thing instead of just casting a cold finger and condemning them and saying, you shouldn't be doing that. Join the fight. Is that, did, I, did I communicate that? Okay. My heart is in love. So Paul invites uh, Timothy to join something that's bigger and richer than any of us, fighting the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 through 14. That's a great scripture. For the sake of time, we won't read it. Our younger generation is, in many ways, the greatest investment that we can make in this life. A mature Christian realizes it's not about your rights. A mature Christian realizes it's not about my rights, but my responsibility. I'm not making a political statement. I am staying away from that. Pastor Corey will handle all those things. I'm just messing. You can laugh. You can laugh. You can laugh. I'm not talking about anything politically. I'm talking about the kingdom of God right now. It's not about our rights, but it's about my responsibility. As a youth pastor, if I demanded all my rights all the time, I wouldn't be a very good youth pastor. But it's about my responsibility to raise up the next generation, to work with parents and team along and link arms with them and say, let's do this in raising up men and women of God. I'm going to get hurt. People are going to say mean things about me. I'm going to get my feelings hurt, whether it's my fault or their fault. But I tell you what, it's worth the cause of Christ. It's not about my rights, but it's about my responsibility. In the same way, don't, I, I don't always get it right, but it's in the same way for you older generations. I get it. I understand that you are frustrated and I would be frustrated too, I think, if I were in your position. But let's talk to them. Let's disciple them. Let's get down in the dirt. Let's get down in the, the mess with them and do this thing and raise up the next generation. It will be messy, but it's going to be worth it for eternal value. Let's stop pointing the fingers at others and evaluate ourselves first and take responsibility. Romans 12, verse 3, if you want some scripture to that. Let's stop pointing the finger at other people and start getting before the Lord and say, you know what? Lord, maybe I need to start looking at me in my heart first and check what's off inside of my heart. Paul wasn't distracted by the secondary issues when compared with the gospel. Friends, church family, I think Pastor, he may have hit on this last week. We have to be so careful. We need to be on our guard that we are not distracted by secondary issues. Should we care about those secondary issues? Yeah, of course we should care. We're here to be salt and light in the earth. But if it takes away our joy, if it takes away our time with Jesus, if it takes away my fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with one another, then we have to ask ourselves, what idols do we have inside of our heart? What idols do we have inside of our heart? If it takes, if it takes me away from discipling and reaching out to the next generation, is that really from the Lord or is it a demonic distraction or a fleshly distraction? I'm not saying we shouldn't care. We should care. But what I'm saying is there are more important things of eternal worth to our children, to your lives. And so let this be a call to say let's link arms together for something more rich and a legacy richer than just opposing each other all the time and getting in arguments. Let's fight for this. Let's fight for the next generation. 
He encouraged, he encouraged Timothy to preach the word. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. Great, great scripture. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Finally, number four. Paul was consistently like Christ. Lord, help me. The Paul that you would see at church on Sunday morning was the same Paul that you would see in the home. The, the Paul that you saw on Sunday morning worshiping God was the same Paul that you'd see in your workplace. The Paul that you saw gathering and preaching to the saints was the same Paul that was on social media. If they had social media. They spoiler alert, they didn't have social media. <laughs> yeah. Just just in case you didn't know that. My friends, I, I'm not trying to be stickler, I'm not trying to be mean. My heart is to simply come in love and say, consistently, consistency and authenticity matter to Generation Z. In fact, if you could describe the one word that gener generation Z, which is currently 11, there, there are young people right now, teenagers. Generation Z, the number one word is authenticity. There's been studies about this. They're looking for something authentic. And guess what? We serve the most authentic Savior in the entire world. <laughs> so that's good news. But Paul was humble and authentic. Everywhere Paul was, he was not perfect, but he was real and authentic in what he did. And Timothy saw that. He didn't gloss over his past mistakes. He owned them instead of doubling down. He didn't gloss over the mess. Paul, the greatest missionary other than Jesus, was a messed up guy in a lot of ways. He persecuted the early church. He was a zealot. He wasn't a zealot. He was a Pharisee, correct, Pastor? Okay, I want to make sure I get that right. He was a Pharisee, meaning he, he oversaw the, the, the uh, religious worship of the day. He was a man chasing after God, but in the wrong direction. He was persecuting the early church. God, you guys know the story, God wrecks him on his way. But Paul did not gloss over that mess. He did not try to shove it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. No, he let the Lord redeem it, he let the Lord cover it, and he restored it, and guess what? He used it for God's glory. He said, oh, what a wretched man I am. The man that wrote half the New Testament said, I am the most wretched among you. He didn't gloss over it. He owned it. He owned the work that God did in his life. And he showed it to other people to help other people grow and heal. He was humble and authentic. And get this, even in Paul's seemingly darkest moments, in 2 Timothy, he was alone, alienated, in jail, and probably facing death. Guess what he was writing about? He's writing about his care for Timothy. He's writing about the cause of Christ. He was teaching he was in the trenches with Timothy. Wow, what a type of man I want to be one day. Hopefully I can get there, that I am locked up in jail for doing the right thing, and my concern isn't for my well-being. It's not even for my situation. It's for the person I'm rising up behind me. It's for these students. It's for your young people, your children. God, help us to be like that. He did not complain he was selfless. 
He did not complain. He was selfless. May older generation, we're about to speak to the younger generation, older generation, I know we, there's a lot. It is a lot right now. I get that. I'm not unaware. But man, with the help of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, may we rise to the challenge to embrace those who come behind us. The very shoulders that we are standing on right now, spiritually speaking, will be the ones that these shoulders stand on in years to come. Let's give them a firm foundation to stand on. And man, what the Lord can do with that, what the Holy Spirit can do in our church and our greater community and the, the greater church body, y'all tell me. I don't know, but it's going to be super awesome. All right, now to the younger. Everyone take a deep breath. <laughs> Some of you are like, I want to be in the younger crew. Put me over there. Okay, go. Go sit over there. Number one, to the younger. Will we humble ourselves to be mentored? Will we humble ourselves to be mentored? See, Timothy, a lot of this has been about Paul so far, but Timothy had to be open to receive correction from Paul, even when it hurt, even when it was the thing that he did not want to hear. He received it with an open heart from what we can tell from Scripture. He was open to being mentored, and because there was a mentorship there, that means there was a relationship there, meaning that it was two ways. The older into the younger, the younger into the older. In order for there to be a generational transfer and a, a raising up like we're talking about, there needs to be an openness inside of our heart young people to say, you know what, they may not know everything, but they know more stuff than I do, and they are wise, and I'm going to get in their circles, and I'm going to find out and learn from them and be discipled by them. PD always said this when I was like 20 years old. I'm like, oh, that's a great one-liner. As I'm getting older now, I'm 31, I understand. The years really will teach what the days will never know. The years will teach what the days never know. We would be fools not to get around the people that have gone before us and ask about their stories. We, let me, I, I don't use that word lightly. We'd be foolish if we didn't get around people that went before us and didn't glean from them. Hear their faith stories. Just go up to a person one day that's older than you that you have a that you have a rapport with and say, Tell me about a story how Jesus used you. Man, can't older generation, you would come alive. Man, that would be such a cool thing to be happening here at our church. Number one, will we humble ourselves to be mentored? Timothy had to be open and receptive to Paul for him to be mentored. The years will teach what the days will never know. Secondly, will we uplift, care, pray, and honor the older generation? Scripture is filled with commands and examples of us honoring those who have gone before us. I, my heart breaks in the day that we are in where we cherish all the, how do I, how do I say this well? All the craziness of youth and all the, the poor decisions that not our young people, but the culture is making, but yet we do not honor marriages that have been together for 50, 60, 70 years. That, that do you feel that? That breaks my heart. In fact, if we were to honor anything, if we were to cherish anything, may it be the ones that have gone before us and really lived this out. The things that we see in our culture is not love. They haven't stuck out through the fights, through the dark moments. The ones that really have fallen in love and stuck out are the ones that are still married 20, 30, 40, 50 years into the future. May we honor that. 
Maybe honor that. We honor people not based on if they deserve honor, but because we are an honorable people, young people. Let me say that again. We don't, we don't honor based on whether a person is honorable or not. We as Christians, young and old, we honor people because we are an honorable people walking in step with Jesus. We don't love people based on if they deserve love or not. Praise God, Jesus didn't do that to you or I. We love people because we are a people of kingdom love. We are a people of generational love, reaching down, reaching up for what the Lord wants to do. The Bible talks on how we are to cherish and honor the older generations. Have we, when was the last time young people, younger generations, that we really sat down and listened? And listened. Not listening to debate, not listening to give a response, not listening to do check off the box, but listening because I truly love a person and I care about what's going on inside their heart. We get our eyes off of ourselves, which leads me to the, the final note. The world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around Jesus Christ. What a, what a very small and kind of scary, dark world if the world revolved around Michael Kevin Farrell II. <laughs> y'all, think, y'all think I got to? I ain't got nothing together. Just ask Rachel. <laughs> it's, okay to, it's, it's okay to laugh. What, what a small world. What a shallow thing it is if the world revolves around us, young people, and older generations. But man, if we can get outside of ourselves, if we can turn our selfishness into unselfishness and realize that the world doesn't revolve around us, it revolves around Christ, what a beautiful thing that would be. There are more important things than our social media presence and everything looking right and making sure our pictures display well, getting the right angles, I say this because this really is a thing. It, I, <laughs> I'm not going to go down to that tangent. There are more important things that are, than our fake images on social media. What I'm talking about is there, there are more important things like following and carrying our cross for Jesus. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it's hard, but it's the most fulfilling and rewarding thing you could ever do with your life. To give your life away and to pick up his cross and follow him. So let me recap real quick before we bring this home. Thank you. Y'all been great. Thank you for listening. I know I preached too long. Number one, to the older generations, Paul affirmed Timothy. May we go out of our way to affirm the younger generations. Number two, Paul made room for Timothy, meaning he knew it would be messy, but he did it anyway. He got in the dirt. He got in the mess and linked arms with them. Number three, Paul invited Timothy into the richness and legacy of following Christ instead of alienating him and condemning him. Timothy, there's so much more at stake than just this conversation. There's so much more at stake than just making sure we feel good in this moment. We're talking about the future of the church. In the same way for us, there's so much at stake than just this moment with our young people. There's so much at stake not just in how we feel or if they reject us, but we are called to invite them into the journey and the richness of following Jesus like Paul and Timothy did. Not alienate them or condemn them because it's not the way that it used to be. Number four, 
Paul was consistently like Christ. May we, the older generation, be consistently, authentically like Christ. Are you going to be perfect? No, you will not be perfect. I will not be perfect. But we can do this together and link arms anyway and try to strive to be more and more like Christ. To the younger, will we humble ourselves be mentored? Young people, is there someone in your life that's mentoring you? Like really, not like, hey, high five, I love you, but like, hey, let me call you out on some sin that I see in your life because I care about you. That type of mentorship. If you don't have that in your life, you're in, you're in danger. May we have mentors in our life to do that. Number two, young people, will we uplift, care, and pray and honor the older generations? Will we have conversations with them? Ask them about the faith journeys that they've been on so that we can be encouraged in our faith journey as well. And number three, plain and simple, the world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around Christ. The sooner we can get that, the better our lives will be. So in closing, may, I want to make a couple statements and the worship team will get ready and we'll respond in a moment. May we stop trying to divide ourselves, church family. Speaking poorly of one another. Stop letting the enemy use you. Instead of pointing the finger of judgment, whether it's young to old, old to young, does, everyone does it. Instead of casting that finger, what if we locked arms instead? What if we locked arms and said, let's do this life together? We may disagree with stuff, but we know that's secondary to the cause of Christ. We know it's secondary to raising up the next generation to be in this pulpit. We know it's secondary to lead this church. We know it's secondary to caring for orphans and widows. We know it's secondary for caring for the community and raising money for missions and the work around the world. Man, may we not be distracted and divide ourselves, speaking poorly of one another. Let us embrace one another. I know that the cause of Christ unites us more than our petty preferences can divide us. Let me say it. Let us embrace one another, knowing that the cause of Christ unites us more than any other issue can divide us. Fight, family. Stop laying the enemy. Stop laying your flesh. Divide us in places that we do not need to be divided. Let us rally along the cause of Christ. Let us rally along the thing that has eternal worth. We should care about secondary issues, absolutely. But man, there are so much more, there are so many more things that are more important. There are so many more kids in this world right now that are far from Jesus, that are struggling with mental illness, probably even in this very room. It's so profound. They don't need a finger pointing at them saying, you should know better. They need a hand reaching out to them, saying, let me help, let me teach, let me come alongside. See the difference there? I see, I feel like we see that from Paul in scripture towards Timothy. We see that from Timothy to Paul. I'll close with these two thoughts and we'll be done. May we combine the vibrancy and the passion of youth and the wisdom and discernment of age. Let's recommit ourselves and rally around the cross of Christ. Let's go through this life together to follow Paul and Timothy's example. 
Number two, what a work if we lay aside our petty preferences and rally along, along around the cross of Christ, something richer, deeper, and more significant than anything we could ever do by ourselves. In a moment, I'm going to invite everybody. I would love for families to come up together. If you're here by yourself, come up anyway. I want us to respond to the call of Christ this morning and say, come up, rally around the cross. All generations, come. None of them have less value. The older all the way to the young, come. Student Sunday, the theme for today is together. And I plan and I strive and I yearn for a family, a church family, a Christian life family that says, you know, we're not going to point at each other and tell each other to do better and leave each other high and dry, but to say, let's come together. How will we take the city of Columbia together with Christ? How will we minister to Irmo, linking arms with the power of the Holy Spirit? How will we change the atmosphere in our political climate, in our government, linking arms together and being the cross or being the church of Jesus Christ. Together, older generation, will you reach down? Older generation, will you reach down? It'll, it'll be sacrificial, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna be hard. May we reach down. Younger generation, will we reach up? Will we reach up? It may be hard, it may be uncomfortable, you may have anxiety, it may be confusing at times, but man, let's reach up and be mentored. Let's sacrifice our pride because we do not have it all together and do this thing and come together and embrace one another. So I'm gonna pray and after I pray, I'm gonna give an invitation for families, for children, even if you don't have a family with you, I want you to come up and as you come up, may it be a symbol of the choice that you're making to say, you know what? I will embrace all generations. I will value all generations, whether it's messy or not. Does that make sense? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for, for Student Sunday. I thank you for the honor that, that I've had to be able to speak this morning. God, if I've, if I've misspoke or if I've said something poorly, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, just minister and make up for that. But Lord, I pray that in, even in this moment, we don't have to have a huge band. We don't have to have big lights. We don't have to have a whole bunch of emotion for your spirit to be here. But your spirit is here, inviting us, wooing us, calling us to a higher place. May we meet the call with a loving embrace like from my grandpa Hartley, like my dad when he prayed for me. May we embrace all generations together this Student Sunday. Convict us of our sin. Convict us of our sin. Convict us of our pride, our selfishness, our flying under the radar just to, so it would be easier. Convict us now, Holy Spirit. Call us up deeper. Call us up farther. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Real quick, if you are joining us online, thank you for joining. There's going to be a number on the screen. 
that you can call in and receive prayer. For those who are in the sanctuary or Brown Chapel, I want to invite you now in this moment. No, no hype song, no drum beat, nothing. If you guys would stand up, and if you're like, I need to get to the altar, and I need to recommit myself to reach all generations, to build that bridge and be together, then the altars are open. I'd love families to come down together, pray together. If you're not, if you don't have family here with you, come down and let's fill these altars for just the next couple minutes as we pray and, and honor the Lord. Is that okay? So you're invited to come to the altars now.